everybody to uh, Amplify. Uh, I'm Pastor Jeremiah. I'm the pastor of student ministries here at Amplify. And um, God's got an amazing word for us today. Uh, we're going to be in Isaiah chapter 61. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn to Isaiah chapter 61. And uh, this, this scripture is actually labeled as a, uh, it's the year of Jubilee. It's where Christ brings freedom. And it's a prophecy of Christ. Um, it's a prophecy of both his first coming and parts of it are a prophecy of his second coming. And uh, so this is actually a scripture that Jesus used uh, when he arrived and said this prophecy is fulfilled today. So what does it say? It says, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim the good news to the poor. This is a direct translation to who Jesus was, that the spirit of the Lord was on Jesus and he had been anointed to proclaim good news to the poor. And then it says this, he has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor, the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes and the oil of joy instead of mourning, a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. And so you have this idea that um, Jesus had come and this is who he ministered to. And if you look in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you see that over and over again, this is the group that he went after, just like Isaiah had predicted hundreds of years before. But what about us? What does this mean for us? Well, I want to walk through Isaiah 61 as a challenge for you and for me. Because I believe, I firmly believe that in this scripture... This, we are told in other places in Scripture that we are supposed to imitate Jesus and we are supposed to put on that Jesus comes in and, and transforms us and he wants to live through us. And I think Isaiah 61 gives us this pattern that we can live in to show Jesus to the world. Or as Lee, we like to say here at Amplify, to amplify the beauty of Jesus to a broken world. So what does it look like? Well, I want to start with this idea that hurt people need people. In this first part of the passage, you have, you have um, the poor, the brokenhearted, captives, prisoner, and those who mourn, and those who are in mourning and spirit of despair. So you have all these people who are in different places that are just, they're hurting, and they don't seem like they have a lot of hope or joy or all of these different things. And so one of the things, I think the first thing that we need to do is we need to see the hurting people. So um, I have five kids and uh, I love my kids. And one of the things that kids do if you are loving to them is that when they get hurt, they seek you out. When they're scared, they seek you out. Uh, my wife and I enjoy watching TV with each other at night. And, but there's rarely a night that goes by that one of my five kids doesn't come knocking on the door because they had a, heard a scary noise or they, they, they heard a, had a scary dream, even though they've only been asleep for, you know, one minute and they can't have had a dream yet or whatever it is. But they want comforted. And if we just go, get out, they're going to be back and it's going to take a lot longer. But when they're comforted, when you calm them down, even if you do say, okay, listen, this is mommy, you know, mommy and daddy are watching our things and we need our space. You need to make sure you go to bed. It's past your bedtime. Even if you're doing that, comforting matters. That's what they need in that moment. Uh, when my kids have gotten hurt, you know, they'll get a bee sting or, or, or they'll, they'll fall on their bike or they'll, whatever it is, get a scrape. They want me to see it. They want me to, hurting people need 
others. But we've got to train ourselves as adults to look for adults who are hurting. Because as adults, we get used to kind of, to kind of hiding it, don't we? You know, if, if, if I get a scrape, I, I don't call my mom up and say, Mom, I scraped my elbow. That wouldn't go over so well, right? I don't get online and, oh, I scraped my elbow. Everybody, everybody, everybody kiss it, make it better. Like, that would be silly. But we learn to hide it as adults. And I think that's why it's important that we have the eyes that Jesus have and we seek out those who are hurting. We seek out the brokenhearted because there's action in every one of these steps. It isn't see them, it's bind up the brokenhearted, proclaim freedom for the captives, release from darkness the prisoners, proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. God wants this to be an amazing year. Comfort all who mourn. Provide for those who grieve. Bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes. Oil of joy instead of mourning. There are specific things that God wants us to do for the people around us, especially those that are hurting. Hurt people need people. So the first question I would have you ask yourself is, who is around you? Who is around you? I think it's a question we should ask every day in every place that we walk into. When you walk into your work, God, let me see with fresh eyes who is around me. God, let me see with fresh eyes who is around me when you walk into a restaurant. God, who, let me see with fresh eyes when I walk into my house. Who is around me? So then next you have this next step. This, this is what I love. It says, you find people and you serve people. And, and that's that, that second part I was talking about. It's not just that you see they're brokenhearted. It's that you bind up the brokenhearted. You spend time on their needs. You see their need. That's an important first step. So, but when you find people, you serve people. That's one of the things we talk about. Pastor Philip talked about last week, this idea that we serve people and that changes the world. We can change the world through serving and I think that's one of the things I love about Amplify is we serve. But we serve as a church, corporate. But what about you individually? Where do you serve? Who do you serve? Do you have eyes to see the hurting, but not only to see the hurting and go, oh, bless you, my child. You know, if my kid, if my kid came in, they'd come off the trampoline and they had a broken arm and they were hurting. And my child comes to me and they're screaming and they're crying and all this kind of stuff. And my response was, well, pray for you. I would be a terrible parent because there needs to be action involved. Yeah, prayer is great, but there needs to be action steps taking place. I need to serve them. I need to get them to an ER and all this kind of stuff. So what about you? What about me? We know that hurt people need people. But when we find people, we need to serve them. And here's what I love. Scripture talks about this idea, and then it goes on to say this. Found people, know people. One of my desires and the desire of the staff of Amplify is that we will have revival in our church, in our county, in, our, in the New Willow Spring location, that God will just do this stirring among us. But here's what I know from Scripture. 
that stirring, yet yeah, maybe it starts with me and it starts with you. But God works through the people that are found, the people that are saved. Found people know people. Here's what's interesting. So in, in this Isaiah 61 passage, it says, after it finishes with, um, bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, oil of joy instead of mourning, garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair, it says this, they will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for display of his splendor. They will rebuild the ruins and restore the places long devastated. They will renew the ruined cities that have been devastated for generations. Strangers will shepherd your flocks. Foreigners will work your fields and vineyards. You will be called priests of the Lord. You will be named ministers of our God. You will feed on the wealth of nations and on the riches you will boast. And it's this idea that momentum is created when we see hurting people who need people and we begin to serve them. They are changed by Jesus. They come to know Jesus through us serving them. And as they come to know Jesus, they are transformed. And here's the beautiful thing. The revival doesn't come from us directly. The revival comes from those lost who are saved. And they restore. And they're the ones God uses to restore so many. And here's what I know from being in ministry for almost 15 years. My best evangelists in church were one of two people. It's people who had been in the faith a long, long time, but they found that one person who was desperate and in need and they loved on them and they loved on them and that person got saved. So that was person one. And that person who got saved had this whole group of friends and family and, and workers and, and everybody around them, none of, knew, none of whom maybe knew Jesus. And that one person who got saved, all of a sudden their family's coming and it's five. And all of a sudden their neighbor, who's their best friends with, all of a sudden they're coming and it's 10. And then, and then it's, it's their grandparents and their parents are coming and, and a brother's coming. And you have this whole group of all of a sudden it's, it's 15, it's 20. I've seen sections of a church room, whole sections, two, three, four rows. Because a saint of the church got serious about seeing people and serving people. And in that one person that said yes, and I'm sure there were others that didn't respond, but that one person who felt the need at the core of their soul to know Jesus, they got saved. And when that happened, they began to reach out to the world around them. Found people, know people. And it revolutionized the church. That's what we want to see. You know, as a, as a pastor, I have to look for places to find people who are not saved because where I work at, you know, everybody's saved. That's a good thing, right? And, uh, you know, the church that I go to, a lot of us are, you know, into, into the Jesus thing. That makes sense. And, um, you know, a lot of my friends are, pretty much all my friends are from inside the church circle. And so I have to seek out ways. Where can I be where I can interact with hurting people who don't know Jesus. But it only takes one. And that's the beauty of what Jesus was doing. He went on and on to this idea that he would focus on the one. The crowds, yes. But he would also see these individuals hurting. Zacchaeus come down and, and 
who, where are your accusers? And you have all these moments where Jesus interacts one-on-one -on -one with someone who is hurting. But we see in Acts how this individual one-on-one -on -one interactions all of a sudden began to spread. And great revival broke out. Found people, know people. So who around you is God calling you to seek out? And that should be a question you ask every day in every place, every building, every moment that you walk into places. Who around me needs Jesus? How can I serve them is the next question. How can I serve them? Where around me can I serve? And then as they begin to bring others in, we need to make sure that we're providing space, that we're allowing others to come into our lives. As they bring a new couple to small group, make sure there's space for them. Make sure we connect with them. Found people, know people. And then finally, there's this idea. And I think this is very important. So it talks about this idea of um, what, what we need to be looking for, who we need to be looking for. We need to be looking for the people who are poor and brokenhearted, the captives and those in darkness. We need to be looking for those who mourn and who grieve, those who have ashes instead of joy. We need to be looking for those that are in a spirit of despair. When we find those people, we don't say, be, be Jesus. No, no, we are Jesus to them. And when they respond, then we point them to Jesus. And it says when we do that, they will become these testimonies about God to the people that need reached. And it says on to this idea, if you keep going down in chapter 61, their descendants will be known among the nations, their offspring among the peoples. All who see them will acknowledge that they are a people the Lord has blessed. And it says just above that, in my faithfulness, I will reward my people and make an everlasting covenant with them. My kids come to me when there's need and I comfort them and I help them and I guide and I direct them. And here's the thing. One of the things my kids love to do is have friends over. Why? Because they know it's a safe place for their friends to come. And they enjoy showing off some things that they have, the toys and all those kind of things. But the only way those people keep coming back, those friends keep coming back, if I yell at my kids or yell at my kids' friends every time they come, guess what? They're going to stop coming. But when you invite them in and they feel like family, when you start loving on them just like you love on your own kids, they're desperate to come back. This is true of the church. We love on the hurting inside and outside of the church. Yeah, we want to see them grow and yeah, we want to see them develop, but we love on them where they're at. And we serve them. We have this beautiful calling back to God. And this beautiful, this beautiful, we give them joy in, in, instead of mourning, instead of despair. But there's this moment, I think this is a very important moment, 
where hurt people become, they need people, and, fi- and find people, and then you need to serve them. And we f- once those people are found, we know that they know people. But then this last part, I will reward my people. We need to realize we are to become one people. That as people are saved, as they're gathered in, as they're all these things, we need to welcome them fully into the fellowship and they become the group that serves those under them. We disciple and we have them disciple and that group disciples and that group disciples and on down. And there's this beautiful idea that I was welcoming you as, as a hurting and as a, but eventually we want this beautiful thing where that person that I welcomed, they become strong. They become joyous and hopeful. And in that moment, they begin to reach out to others and they begin to do those things that we were doing for them. And we still speak truth, but they become peers. And that's one of the things I look forward to in the lives of my children. So one day, I want them to be parents. I want my four girls to be moms. And, and there'll be a moment where I, I will have to, I'll have to become their friend and step back a little bit from being the dad because they're an adult now. And I'm going to have to release them some to the best of my ability. But I also think that's a beautiful thing. And then as they have grandkids and Great-grandkids, we're all one family. Just like spiritually, you should have children and the prayer is you're going to have grandchildren from that relationship, spiritually, and great-grandchildren, but we're all one. So Isaiah 61 is this beautiful look at what discipleship should look like and evangelism should look like. And this idea that we, we go out and we look for those who need. And then we start meeting that need through serving. And we love them into the kingdom. And as we love them into the kingdom, we realize that they have relationships we don't have. And so we equip them to reach out to those around them and bring them in all the time drawing ourselves closer and closer to God. In my faithfulness, I will reward my people, make an everlasting covenant with them. Their descendants will be known among the nations, their offspring among the people. All who see them will acknowledge that they are a people the Lord has blessed. So near July 4th and the celebration of America's birthday and all these different things. And I pray that this year, this year would be a year that we can declare freedom in lives of the people around us. But not just freedom from a foreign country like the Declaration of Independence declared. But freedom from sin and from darkness 
and from serving things that do not have our best interests at heart. We declare it for ourselves and live in it ourselves, but we also look around us to find the hurt people that need people. And as we find those people, we serve those people. And as we serve those people, we pray that they are found in Jesus. And as they're found, we capitalize on them knowing people who also need to be found. All in this beautiful, beautiful image of becoming one people together. Amplify, serve the world. Have eyes to see the broken around you. And let's see a revival of God break out through me, but also through my spiritual descendants like nothing we've ever seen before. God, I pray that you would just come down upon us and that you would help us to see with fresh eyes the hurting around us. That we would let go of anything but an empathetic heart. That God, we would drop to the side anything that is not of you. And we would see with fresh eyes the adulteress that many want to condemn, but God, we want to bring them back to you. God, the traitor, the tax collector, the one who was against, and yet you want to bring them back to you. God, the Pharisee that has actual real questions that many would see as the enemy, but he is curious about you. God, in our own lives, those people have names and faces. Would you help us to see? Would you help me to see with fresh eyes? those that are hurting, so I can help them be found in you. And then God capitalize on the people they know that are in the same place. Help us to be one people united in Jesus. In your name, amen.